know, sometimes to get something or to understand something, you need people to be able to help you understand and to connect the dots. Do you know what I mean? Like there, there are some things in life, look, I know there's going to be some things that happen in life that we may not be able to fully connect all the dots on. Some things are going to happen to us, um, in us, or even around us that are really hard to explain. And we may never actually get the answers on. But there are a lot of things that will happen to us that whether it's through experience, uh, whether that's through trials, whether that's through someone teaching us or explaining it to us, that we will be able to understand more about this journey of life that we're on. I know some of you think, well, you know what, that Pastor Andrew, man, he's the smartest guy I know. In fact, you know what, I bet you he gets it right the first time, every time. He don't need nobody to explain anything to him. Look, if you've heard that, that's not true. In fact, a lot of times, most of the time, I need somebody to help me connect the dots, help me make sense of some of these things that happen in life. Uh, For example, it took me the longest time to figure out how to ride a bike. And when I say the longest time, I did not learn how to ride a bike until I was 23 years old. In fact, there was a middle school student I was discipling and mentoring, and his family, they were determined to give me the gift of actually learning how to ride a bike. Because up until that point, again, I don't know what it was, but I just couldn't figure it out. I didn't learn as a kid, and whenever someone would try to show me, I couldn't figure out how to make that thing go without falling over every single time. But they were determined, so they took me to a park one day. Then after trial after trial after failure after failure, the mom of that middle school student said to me, look, Andrew, you have to think, it's kind of like driving a car. And when she said that, church, the connection was made. Because I've been trying to hold the the bike steering thing, the handlebars like straight and try to go straight and I would fall over. But I remember, look, when I drive a car, it's these constant adjustments that you're making, right? You don't hold your steering wheel straight, you're probably going to run into a wall, but you're constantly making these adjustments. So after she said that, the connection was made and I was able to push this bike forward for at least 20 feet. And I was able to do it, and I did not fall off. And look, you can praise God that today your pastor knows how to ride a bike. But see, I also also had the hardest time connecting the dots, like making sense, making the connection about finding purpose in this life. For the longest time, I thought this life was all about me. And if I could just make the connection with the right relationship, with the right job or career, If I could just make the connection with the right drink that would maybe bring me some joy, with the right food that would bring me some happiness, if I could just try to make the right connection with those things, I would find purpose and joy in this life. But as I continued to do that, I started to see that those things did not bring me joy. They did not bring fulfillment. And it wasn't until this one Christian friend I had shared the gospel with me one more time. One more time, I heard this good news about Jesus, that this brokenness and this sin that was happening in my life was only taking me further and further away from God, that all these sinful things I was doing was producing more brokenness inside of me. But it wasn't until they reminded me, look, that in, in, in myself, look, I'm dead in my trespasses, but Jesus, who is God, came into this earth and he died on the cross to pay the price for my sin. 
And if I believe this good news about him, that he also rose from the dead, creating a way, making a way to experience life to the full, if I repent of my sin, I believe this good news about Jesus, I could actually receive this fullness of life that Jesus wanted us to experience. And church, it's the same thing for so many of us today. It's like right then when that happened, look, the connection was made to this gospel that saved me. And I know it's a gospel that has saved many of you, but it's a gospel that some of you even need to believe today to trust your life with Jesus. And it's a reminder, this gospel connection is a reminder, look, this, this life story, if it's not in the context of God's glory, it's not going to make sense. Look, there's a connection that happens when you bring your life into alignment, what God has been doing since the beginning. Our life story only makes sense when we submit to God's story. Do you see the connection? Today, as we continue our journey through the book of Exodus, there's going to be a bit of a breather in this story today. And we're not going to see the Israelites complaining or grumbling or trying to call or or rebelling against what God was doing. We're going to see a bit of a breather here in this story. But there's also a very great burden. Look, there's a connection here that Moses, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that God wanted him to see and that he's recounting in this moment. And God wanted the Israelites and Moses to make this connection, and he wants us to make this connection today. Look, there is this connection here in Exodus 18 that if it's broken or the connection is not made, it can leave us with a heavy burden to carry. But see, it can also even leave others a heavier burden to carry than God wants them to carry. As we look at this today, as we look at this and see the connection and we can actually help others carry their burdens, look, it's going to ultimately point to that relief and peace is found in Christ. And even though this was written 3,500 years ago, church, God's word is living and active. In fact, the Bible even says that if heaven and earth passes away, Look, the word of the Lord is going to remain forever. Psalm 18 even says that the word of the Lord proves true. So even though this was written 3,500 years ago, it is on time for us today. And there's a connection here that will point to the church that even though the church started 2,000 years ago, right now in 2023, what God was wanting the people to see, what he's wanting to connect to his church is ultimately fulfilled in Christ and is being fulfilled in Christ. We need to make the connection. Look, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 18. And while you're turning there, hey, would you turn to the person sitting next to you? And would you just tell them, hey, look, I'm praying that you get this today because you need to make the connection. Now turn to the person who was your second choice and tell them, look, I'm especially praying for you. You really need to get this today. Exodus chapter 18. I'm going to read this first, this large chunk of scripture. Sometimes I love this reading, this large chunks of the Bible out loud because this is so good, okay? Don't miss what the Lord wants to say to you today through his word. Exodus chapter 18, starting in verse 1. Jethro... The priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for the people and for Israel as people, how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, had taken Zipporah, 
Moses' wife, after he had sent her home, along with her two sons. The name of one was Gershom, for he said, I've been a sojourner in a foreign land. And the name of the other was Eliezer, for he said, the God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness where he was encamped at the mountain of God. And when he sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her. Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. And they asked each other of their welfare and went into the tent. Then Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had come upon them in the way and how the Lord had delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced for all the good that the Lord had done to Israel in that he had delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and this of, excuse me, uh, I missed my place right here. Go back to verse 10, sorry. <laughs> Jethro said, look, blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now pay attention to verse 11 right here. Jethro says, now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods. Because in this affair, they dealt arrogantly with the people. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses, with Moses' father-in-law before God. Look, when we're talking about making the connection here today, the first thing I want you to make note of, the first thing I want you to write down is that God deserves our worship. God deserves our worship. You know, in our lives, we are going to worship something or someone. Moses' father-in-law, look, he was a Midianite. But the passage even says that he was of this tribe of people who were of pagan worship, worshiping idols, worshiping false gods. But not only was he a Midianite, it says that he was a Midianite priest, which means that not only did he worship idols and worship false gods, but he actually even led other people to do the same. Look, because this ultimate story is for God's glory and God deserves our worship, we are designed to be worshipers and we will worship something or we will worship someone. So my question for you this morning, church, is who or what are you worshiping in this season? Look, I heard a really simple definition of worship. And worship simply means whatever it is or whoever it is that we're giving our ultimate attention and affection to. It's whoever or whatever we're giving our, putting our ultimate hope in. So right now in this season, who or what are you worshiping? Because what you're giving your attention and your affection to and putting your ultimate hope in, it might be an idol in your life. It may even be a God in your life. You know, for some of us, maybe what we're worshiping right now might be sports. 
Look, when your team loses, do you feel like life is all over? When your team doesn't make it to the playoffs or to the Super Bowl, do you feel like life is over? Or maybe even right now in your own life, are you more concerned with checking ESPN than checking GNN, which is a gospel news network, something I made up. But right now, like, are you giving your ultimate attention and affection to sports? Maybe it's food. I think a lot of us put our attention and affection on what it is that we're consuming. We're often led astray by our own appetite. And if we don't find the right food, if we don't quench that hunger, if we don't um, consume even more food than we need, then we feel like life is broken or something is over, but we are literally medicating our hope with food. So are you being led astray by your own appetite? Is it even driving your decisions? Maybe it's money. Look, some of you have been thinking so much about maybe a possible recession happening or retirement happening. And again, look, I, I want you to hear this. Look, we're not the type of church that says, like, you need to sell everything and, you know, just, just never own anything. In fact, I really hope that, you know, as God blesses you, that you make as much money as you can. I mean, I hope one day that you retire very well and, of course, still honor God and steward all the resources that he brings you. But are you so focused on the future that you're forgetting about the one who holds the future? Are you so focused on a possible recession happening that you're forgetting about the resurrection and that the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you? Are you forgetting that Jesus himself even said, look, in this world, you're going to have many troubles, but take heart, which means to trust in him, find your peace in him, because he has overcome the world. Look, are you finding your ultimate hope right now in your money and your possessions? Or maybe right now what you're worshiping, maybe an idol right now in your life, is your health. And are you so concerned about the way that you look that you're forgetting to look to the Savior? Are you so afraid about what's going to happen to you that you're taking all of these precautions right now in your life that you're forgetting to instead to put that trust and that ultimate hope in the one that you should be praying to and praising in every season. Look, church, right now, what is it that you're worshiping, that you're putting your ultimate hope and trust in more than the Lord? Because God deserves our worship. No one else, nothing else. God deserves our worship. And if this big story is for his glory, that he deserves all the praise and adoration that is due to him. But look, there's another connection here to worship, worshiping of the one and only God that I want you to see here, okay? Look, God deserves our worship because worship and witness are connected. Look, there's a connection here between worship and witness. Look, look back at your Bible again at verse 1 in Exodus chapter 18. Look, it says that Jethro heard of all that God had done. He heard of all that God had done and how what he did for Israel and for Moses and how Egypt was routed. And then in verse 8, it says this. It says that Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had come upon them in the way 
and how the Lord had delivered them. You know, it's so interesting to note here that Jethro heard of all that God had done. And then from there, Moses told him all that God had done, all that they had been through, even the challenging things that they had been through. And even right here, like there is this connection to how we are to share the good news about Jesus. Look, it's a reminder, look, Jethro heard, right? Which is just a reminder, look, God is the one who ultimately awakens people to their need for him. It's ultimately God that draws people. It's ultimately God that by the power of his Holy Spirit wants to bring people into relationship with him. In fact, if you're in this room today and you're a follower of Jesus and you've already been walking with him and maybe you've been praying for somebody right now that's far from God, it's a reminder that you cannot save anyone. You don't do the saving. People hear what God has done. He's the one who's been drawing them to himself. But then at the same time, it's a reminder that we are responsible to share the gospel with the people that God has put in our lives. You know, here we see it again, Jethro heard, and then Moses told. It's a reminder, look, again, God has been drawing people to himself. And even if you're sitting in this room right, there, right now, today, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, it's just you. I mean, do you sense that God has been drawing you? Have you been hearing about some of the things that he's done and how he's died for you and how forgiveness is found in him? And maybe you've been trying to fill your life with all these other things, but it keeps leading to more and more brokenness. But, man, he wants to have this relationship with you. Have you heard? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Because right now I want to witness to you in this worship service that I was once where you were. But, man, it's in a relationship with Jesus that that ultimate hope that you've been looking for is found. Church worship is a witness. But how many of you know that right here, the worship that's being talked about isn't just singing some songs on a Sunday morning or just coming to church? Look, it's in how we live. In fact, I love that Jethro had heard about all that God had done, but also he heard about all the hardships that the people had been through. I love the fact that Moses shared his whole testimony, not just all the good things that Jesus wants to do for you, but the fact that even going through, when you're in a relationship with him, you're still going to face hardships. Moses shared his whole testimony. Church, when was the last time that you shared with someone what Christ has done in your life? When was the last time that you shared the gospel with some, someone? Look, I want to challenge you that you would tell somebody, that you would tell them your story. You would tell them what Jesus is doing in you, in your small group, in your church, as you serve, um, what he's teaching you in your quiet time. I want to challenge you that you would be a church, that we would be a church that is full of witnesses. Right now, look, the Lord is drawing someone that he's literally placed in your circle. Like, are you going to be ready to share what he's done in you and to share the gospel with someone? Look, I don't have this in your notes, but to be a witness, here are three things that you can do, Okay. You can pray, you can prepare, and you can share. You can pray, you can prepare, and you can share. Look, you pray for those people who are in your life, in the circles of influence that God has given you. You can pray for those people who are far from God, that God would draw them. Again, that they would be awakened to their need for him. 
but you also need to be prepared to share the good news of Jesus and what he's done in your life. Look, do you know your own testimony? Can you look at the time when you realize that you were a sinner in need of a savior and how God saved you and what he's even been doing in your life right now? But then you can share. Look, I want to challenge you that we would be a church that we don't treat people like projects because they're not. But God has said, look, love your neighbor as you love yourself. We are called to be followers that love our neighbors so that you would really love people when you're in relationship with them. But also to never forget that part of loving them is sharing the good news about Christ's love. Look, do you see the connection? Worship is a witness. Witnessing is sharing your life story and how it fits into God's glory. But there's something else that worshiping God brings here, and it is so good. It's just another reason why God deserves our worship. Look, worship of one is connected to oneness. Worship of one is connected to oneness. Listen to how the story continues again here in verse 10. Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. And Jethro says, now I know. Now that I've heard, and again, now that you've told me all that God has done, he says, now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods because in this affair they dealt arrogantly with the people. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. Look, church, this is so significant. Do you see the connection? Again, look back at verse 1, okay, in, in chapter 18. Look back at verse 1. Look, Jethro was a Midianite, a Midianite priest. He was a Gentile worshiping idols. And then here we see Moses and Aaron and all the elders of Israel, Jewish people, come together with a Midianite to worship one God. Look, this witness led to worship, and it brings these two groups of people together. Now, some people just try to pass this off that this is just a family situation, right? Moses' father-in-law came around, and look, he's getting along great with his father-in-law but it's so much more than that. Look, this is pointing to that ultimate picture that God would want the people of Israel to do that they ultimately missed oftentimes and what he wants us as a church to do today. We see these two groups of people coming together to worship this one God and it wasn't through any type of law that was given. It wasn't through any type of political leader or political system or ideology. It was the worship of the one that brought real unity. In fact, fast forward to Ephesians chapter 2 and look at the connection that's seen here back when the church was first started, right around 60 AD when this was written. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 16. Church is one of my favorite passages in all of the Bible. I hope I don't lose my mind while I'm reading this to you, okay? Because this is so good. Listen to what Paul says here about this connection, what God has been trying to do and to teach his people from way back in the beginning. It's part of this big story that God is writing, and we need to bring our life into this story that God is writing. 
Paul says, look, therefore remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, remember that you were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, now I know, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of the commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. That means that across every ethnic barrier, every barrier, there's unity that is found in Christ. By abolishing the law of the commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create for himself this one new man in place of the two, so making peace. And that he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, therefore, thereby killing the hostility. Church, look, sin is a separator. But our sovereign God, the one who's writing this big story, our sovereign God, He's a unifier. Look, real unity, real hope, what the world has been looking for is only found in Christ. Matthew Henry, um, Christian theologian and, and pastor, he says, look, note about this. He says, look, mutual friendship is sanctified by joint worship. It is a very good thing for relations and friends when they come together to join in the spiritual sacrifice of prayer and praise as those that meet in Christ, the center of unity. Church, that's what we want to be as we develop authentic followers of Jesus. Church, I see us as this multi-generational, multi-ethnic, multicultural, multi-economic church that reflects the same thing that God wanted his people to see 3,500 years ago, 2,000 years ago, and right now, right here in 2023. What if we were a church where, again, across every age and stage, we were all different, but man, we were unified by the one. We were the church that brought people together across every background, every single age and stage, worshiping the Lord, that God's kingdom will come right here on earth, right here at 1832 Elbow Road, as it is in heaven. Look, God deserves our worship. We worship him with our lives because we witness what he's done. And we are witnesses to what he's done. And that worship and witness, it breaks down all sorts of barriers, helping people to come alive as they worship the one. Second thing I want you to see, second connection we need to make today is that not only does God deserve our worship, I mean, God distributes our burdens. You know, the story, the story takes a turn here from um, Jethro worship, hearing of all that God's done, Uh, And then him worshiping the Lord and these two groups of people coming together, worshiping the one God, to now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, he begins to observe all the things that Moses is doing as he leads two million people. And as Jethro watches Moses work, as he's pretty much working from sunup to sundown, he says, look, Moses, this something has got to change, okay? Like you're carrying too great of a burden, So not only does God distribute our burdens, but right under that, I'm going to give you the next point. There is a weight connected to leadership. 
Look, there's a weight that is connected to leadership. Listen to how the story continues in verse 18. Jethro says, look, what is this that you are doing? After you observed Moses working from sun up to sundown, as all these people are coming to him and him alone, Jethro says, what is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me, and I decide between one person and another. And I make them know, I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, look, what you are doing is not good. You and the people will certainly wear yourselves out for the thing It's too heavy for you. You You're not able to do it alone. Hey, um, just by show of hands in here, how many of you lead a team of people of any size, any kind? Or maybe you have done that. Maybe you're in the the Army, the Navy, uh, the Marines, the Air Force. Uh, Maybe you're a teacher and you've, again, led a bunch of students. How many of you guys have, or you own your own business, you've led a team of some kind? Okay, yeah. Let, Let me just say, look, I understand that there is a weight to leadership. And I hope you understand it. Maybe, maybe this is the first time you're sensing it or feeling it, but there is a weight that comes with leadership. In fact, right here, we're reminded that Moses was carrying such a great burden. In fact, can I even just say, look, if you lead anything, I want you to know, look, this church prays for you. And I even want to encourage you, look, if you're sitting in this room and you're working for somebody, would you pray for your boss even if you don't like your boss, okay? Because there's this weight that comes with leadership. It was John Maxwell who even said, look, everything rises and falls on leadership. Um, Our senior pastor, Sean Brown, who's over all of the coastals, he even says, look, it is a weighty thing to lead anything. Man, the author of Hebrews even says, look, pastors, overseers in the church, he even says that, look, we are responsible for your souls, and we're going to give an account. Church, I feel the weight of that. And what Moses was carrying, two million people he was leading. And all day long, he's trying to carry this entire burden by himself. And look, as far as we know from what the text says, at least for right now, right now in this moment, it was not crushing him. So this was before any type of burnout came to him. But God uses Jethro to let him know that this is not sustainable. But also to acknowledge, look, there is this weight that comes with what you're leading. But see, I think Jethro also came to Moses to remind him, look, it is your priorities that are connected to your capacity. Your priorities are connected to your capacity. And look, we need to be asking the question, look, what do you need to say yes to and what do you need to say no to? Listen how the story continues in verse 19. Jethro said, look, he heard what Moses said and he said, look, look, now obey my voice. Again, imagine if your father-in-law said that to you, but again, they have a good relationship. He says, now obey my voice. I will give you advice and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. And you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. And again, what Jethro is saying to Moses, look, right now you have to begin to prioritize what matters most. 
Because this is going to determine your capacity to continue to lead these people and to lead them well. And he says in verse 21, he says, Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy, and hate a bribe. Now, let me just pause right here for a moment, okay? Let me talk to the single ladies in the room, all right? If you're single in this room today, and you're a woman, and you're maybe hoping to be married one day, and maybe you have a list of things that you're looking for, I would advise you to put something like this at the top of the list. Man, Moses said, look for, look for men who fear God, which means, man, look for somebody who really loves Jesus. I'm not just talking about, hey, I know Jesus, but man, he really loves Jesus. He says, so look for someone who is trustworthy. Look, don't marry a jerk, okay? Look for someone who's trustworthy, And he says, look for someone who will not take a bribe. You need to find a man with good character and integrity. Side note, just for you, okay? Food for thought, put that in the side, delete it, do what you want with it, okay? It continues on in verse 22. And let them, Jethro says, let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. So Jethro tells him, look, you need to find these good men as chiefs of thousands and of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and let them help you carry the burden. And look, some of you right now, some of you right now have hit your lid because what you've been doing, it's too much. And what you need to do is prioritize what matters the most. And what God has gifted you to do and called you to do to take the lid off of your growth. Again, what is it that you need to say yes to? And what is it right now that you need to say no to? And in fact, look at verse 22 again. Look at the results. Jethro says, look, this will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. Think about how gracious God is that he would help us to carry our burdens How gracious is God that he helps and shows us that we need to set the right priorities to even increase our capacity to be able to live this life to the full. And in verse 23, he says, if you do this, which means it's conditional. He says, if you do this, God will direct you and you will be able to endure and all this people will go to their place in peace. And that phrasing right there where it says, look, all these people go to their place in peace has this idea that the people will be satisfied. But how many of you know that what Jethro is talking about right here, what God's reminding us of, isn't just something vocationally or career-wise. What he's talking about is even our own spiritual health. See, your spiritual health is connected to what you're building right now in your life. What you're building right now is connected to how healthy you are spiritually. Look, the Lord uses Jethro to tell Moses not to burn out, but instead to build up, to build up what it is that matters the most. In fact, a little bit later on in Numbers chapter 11, um, Moses' capacity increases and more and more problems with the people come to him. And he even says in Numbers chapter 11, verse 14, he says, look, I'm not able to carry all these people alone. The burden is too heavy for me. 
fact, again, the Mo- Moses would even acknowledge that he needed even more help. He needed more help to do the things that God had called him to do and to build what it is that matters most. Can I just tell you, church, don't burn out, but build up. Build up what matters the most. So here's the connection for here at Coastal. We want to develop authentic followers of Jesus. We believe that that is what's building the most. When you're developing authentic followers of Jesus Christ, and the pathway to that is to connect, to grow, to serve, and to multiply. And again, this same connection is made in the New Testament, where the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it says that he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to measure to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Dr. Tony Evans says it about this passage in Exodus and this one here in Ephesians. He says, look, right here is a reminder to the church that pastors cannot bear the burdens of the church alone. Wise, word-centered church lay leaders must share the load. By dividing the work in this way, more Christians can be trained to think biblically about life, and they in turn can help their brothers and sisters in Christ to think and live biblically. This is how the body of Christ is built up. It was never meant to be a one-man job. Church, we need one another. God distributes our burdens. But are you going to be willing to step in and help carry the load? There's this uh, kind of a joke that exists. Uh, I don't know if it's everyone might have heard of this, like, uh, but I know sometimes it's just in church world. Uh, but there's a, a kind of a, a joke or a tension point that exists where they say 20% of the people do about 80% of the work. But what if we were a church that flipped that? where we actually did take this into account, man, that we are supposed to be building what matters most. We're supposed to be building the kingdom of God. And what if we took this into account and we really did help one another carry each other's burdens by serving, by doing the work of the ministry? Look, I don't want it to be the case at Chesapeake right here where it is only a few people serving, but we have many people involved in ministry, serving in ministry here in this church. Man, what if right now we had so many kids volunteers who are serving that right now we have 20 or 30 kids that have been coming on Sunday morning? What if right now in Coastal Kids we had so many volunteers that we were ready for the 50 to 100 kids that God wants to bring here? 
What if right now we had so many people serving on our worship team and back there at the sound booth and up there in the upper deck that no matter what, whether we went to two services or three services, so many people were ready to help carry the burden of this gospel-centered, Bible-believing, teaching and equipping church that no one burnt out, but instead the church was built up. What if we had so many people serving that were willing to serve and even just cut the grass around here? That these 13 acres that we had, people were involved and they were cutting the grass because they didn't want to see one single weed grow up because they don't want to weed out what God wants to do in somebody's life. See what I did there? Man, what if we had so many small group leaders that people could really grow together in community? Again, no matter your age or stage, you felt connected here. What if we had so many greeters and people serving in the parking lot, that the gospel was preached before anybody even heard the message. That from the parking lot, people knew this was a place, look, look, there is, there's the joy of the Lord here. That from the parking lot to the front door, they knew this was a place that, man, whatever I'm walking into this place with, I know that, man, they're going to help me carry my burdens. And not only that, man, I know God sees me. He's going to help me carry these burdens. I am not alone. What if we were a church that we were so involved with what God was doing that we didn't burn out, but said we built up? We built up what matters the most. Now, every single one of you on the way in today, you received one of these Connect cards, and you also received a Lego brick, okay? Going to pull those out. It's probably on the seat around you somewhere. Some of you may have thrown it on the floor. I'm not offended by that. I'm going to grab that Connect card, okay? And then also grab that Lego brick, and I want you to hold it up like this, okay? Grab the Connect card, grab the Lego brick, and I want you to hold it up like this, okay? All right, everyone has one? All right, now put the Connect card. I'll come back to that. Put that down. I'll come back to that. Just hold up your Lego brick for a moment. There was a story I read um, a little bit earlier last month where apparently 25 years ago, there was a huge ship that was traveling across the ocean, and this ship contained a bunch of shipping containers. I'm sure all my people working in the shipyard know all about that. But this ship had one Lego container of Legos. One large container was filled with Legos. And then apparently it was like the perfect storm that hit this ship, and there was this container containing all these Legos that fell out into the ocean. And on that shipping container, there were five million Legos 25 years ago. Now, apparently, all these Legos, like once that container hit the ocean, like they have been falling out on, into the ocean and washing up on the shore. In fact, still today, they are still finding Legos washing up on the beaches of Europe. And these Lego pieces, look, they were meant to build something up. They were meant to bring joy to people or adults, if you're into building Legos, but they were meant to build something. They were meant to bring joy, like they had a purpose. Right now, they're just floating out in the ocean, and some of them are literally just washing up on the shore, buried in the sand. Church, you were meant to build something. You were meant to build up the kingdom of God. You were meant to build up what matters the most. And you need to be involved here in building what God is doing in us and through us. So I want to challenge you. If you have not found a place to serve yet, you would fill out this Connect card. And right here at the bottom of it are all sorts of serving opportunities. 
And I want to challenge you, look, to check off one and maybe, you know, test drive it for the next 30, 60 days. Look, we're not asking you, like, to sign any of this, this as a covenant in blood or anything like that. If you, get, if you sign up for the nursery and, like, I hate babies, I never want to see a baby again, look, we will help you find another place to serve. But I want to challenge you that you would find a place to serve to help build what God wants to do in us and through us right here. And maybe you don't even know what that place is. Man, just check other right here in this place to say, hey, put me somewhere. Now, remember, if you sign that, we're going to put you somewhere, okay? But I want to challenge you, church, that we will be a people that builds what matters most. As the worship team comes back up to the stage, you know, Paul said again in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, he says, look, from the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Man, I want us to be a picture of what God was trying to teach his people to do 3,500 years ago, 2,000 years ago, and what he's calling us to do right now. Would you be a church that helps to worship as you witness? Would you give God the worship that he deserves? But would you also help carry someone else's burdens? Look, God wants to distribute our burdens. So will you be involved in building up what matters most and helping to serve others. Let me pray for you. Father God, again, Lord, we thank you so much for your word. And I, I thank you, Lord, again, Lord, it is, it is on time, even though it was written 3,500 years ago, even though it was carried again and pointed to something that happened 2,000 years ago. Lord, it's something you want us to hear right now and even today. Lord, I don't think any of us want to get to the end of our lives and and God, we've wasted it, but instead, Lord, I pray that our lives would be dedicated to worshiping you. God, dedicated to witnessing um, and sharing what you've done in us and through us so that people have already begun to hear about Jesus. God, that we would be a people that also tells them everything you've done, but also shared how you brought us through and that that ultimate hope is found in you. But Lord, I know you're a God that helps us carry our burdens and you've called your people to help do the same. So I pray, Lord, you would help us to do that as well and to get involved in what you're doing to build what matters most. We love you, God, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.